All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It's Friday, August 12th of 2022. Thank you for tuning into the stream here today. If it is your first time watching Office Hours, first of all, welcome. My name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at Saber Sim. Uh, and this show uh, is an open Q&A style stream where I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use our tools to build better DFS lineups. So if you are uh, joined with me here live or if you are watching the recording of this show or catching the podcast version of this show, a big welcome to you. If you have questions you'd like me to answer on this show, you can email us support at SaberSim.com uh, and you can also post your questions in live and in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in Slack. We have 13 baseball games here uh, on tap tonight, or at least a 13-game main slate on DraftKings. So <clears throat> right back at it here. Uh, after a bit of a break day kind of yesterday uh, on the MLB streets, at least, we had that six-game early slate going on, but then just the uh, the Field of Dreams game last night, which I actually watched. I uh, I was We talked a little bit about MLB showdown strategy and how I would approach that slate yesterday on stream. Uh, and then I didn't enter contests in time, so I didn't get to play it. But I ended up watching the game. Uh, I do think it is a pretty cool uh, product that the the MLB has put on there. I think it's a, I don't know, something about the atmosphere, the ambiance of that game feels just very uh, nostalgic to me. So uh, anyway, we have a lot of questions here in our queue for today. A lot to talk about. We have a couple questions about... Uh, let's see. I know there were a few questions about the DFS profit plan. Um, some questions about, uh, all kinds of different stuff, really percentiles, uh, making adjustments versus not making adjustments, slider settings, um, different slates, having different edge, all kinds of different things. So we'll get into that here in a moment. Again, as always, if you have questions for me, go ahead and get them into the queue now. Uh, so that you can get your questions answered sooner rather than later here. And we'll go ahead and just start diving in. So, uh, cool. I'm going to actually start. So I want to start with this first question from Tim. Um, this is the second question in the queue, and then we'll work back. But I think this is a good place to start with, um, just because this is a very common question. It comes in all the time. Um, is there ever a time you just let Saberson run your lineups and make zero adjustments and just play what it generates for you? If so, does it depend on sleep size or any other factor? Going to play... Uh, FanDuel after hours tonight and run 50 lines in a 150 max GPP. Thanks for your help. Um, yes. I mean, there's definitely times where I do that. I, I would say, you know, part part of what our goal was with SaberSim is, is, is not to build like a money printer, right? That's not a realistic outcome. You come in here, you press your green button every day, you print your money and you go on your way, right? That's not what this is all about. Uh, there's a ton of ways to add value. The, the goal here is to create a strong foundation. But yes, absolutely. There are certain slates where, I don't make a lot of changes um, where I'm not making a lot of adjustments at all. I'm kind of taking exactly what SaberSim is giving me. And in fact, on some of these shows where I've done more of the slate breakdown kind of content, I've talked about that, right? There's certain times uh, where I feel like there's less that I really want to change, right? I kind of like the general direction that I'm getting. Um, the other option too, of course, and, and, uh, the less, the less strategic answer to this question would be, there are certain times where life stuff comes up and you entered earlier that morning and, uh, you don't have time to do a full process and you just need to put your lips in and roll with what you've got. Um, that happens to me as well. And I think you should feel like in general comfortable with that. I don't think there's any problem necessarily there. I also think if you run your lineups, you know, especially for a new sport, maybe you're checking out the tennis Sims, right? Like, uh, checking out the NASCAR Sims. Those aren't sports that I have a lot of expertise in. Those 
those aren't so those are sports where I'm not making as many changes as I might in a sport like baseball or football or something like where I feel like I can add a lot more value. So uh, short answer to this question is yes. I mean, I think it's perfectly fine uh, to take basically what SaberSim is giving you and plug and play it and and uh, lock and load. Um, just being aware that, you know, obviously the the more work you put in, as long as it's, you know, sharp as long as it's sharp work, right? As long as it's not just like randomly mashing buttons around, uh, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, but there's nothing wrong with if there's a slate where I don't think that you have like a big edge that you want to push or maybe something that you specifically want to change or you kind of like what you're getting out of there or you just don't have a lot of time, uh, perfectly fine. Um, I also think it's a really good way to get familiar with a new sport, right? That's like even for, for tennis earlier this season, you know, there were a lot of slates where I was just, I was registering for contests. I would go build 10 to 20 lineups just to kind of see how, what do my lineup constructions look like? How am I handling the chalk, right? What do other good lineups look like? And just getting more familiar with that sport um by basically just seeing what what kind of lineup saberson put out so um yeah absolutely nothing wrong with that i guess uh to to kind of make sure i've touched on everything here i don't think it depends on slate size for me um i don't think there's any correlation between the size of the slate and the number of adjustments i'm going to make uh any other factor i, I would say i mean the two factors it mostly depends on are how how in line are the lineups that SaberSim is building me with what I want to do based on my research? Uh, and then two, how much time do I have to build lineups? And that's probably actually the, the truly the bigger factor is how much time do I have? So good question, Tim. Uh, let's go ahead here and keep it rolling. Um, we'll jump over to this question from underrated. And this is a, a question about the DFS profit plan. So um, actually probably a good opportunity to quickly uh, pull up the DFS profit plan so people know what we're talking about here. Uh, it is this video on our YouTube channel. Start winning more with our DFS profit plan. Uh, it's right here up at the top under this new here first section. It is our new contest selection and bankroll management principles video. Um, so definitely watch that if you haven't seen that yet. I know, especially as football ramps up, when we have some people that maybe uh, haven't been with Saberzim since this time last year for the start of football season, uh, our recommendations for the way that we kind of uh, recommended contest selection uh, have changed in the past year based on our, our contest simulation framework that we built and what we found is the most effective way to select contests. So definitely watch that if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and let's answer this question. Um, I don't know if this has been answered, but are we building the diversifiers along with the elevators or are they separate builds being that they are different contest sizes? Secondly, how many lineups are recommended? Uh, let's say I have two 150 maxes on Fando. Do you believe 300 lineups is getting into the minus EV range territory? Thanks. Yeah, really good question. So first of all, I think best practice, uh, I've gone back and forth a little bit on this, but I think best practice is to just build everything together. Um, and there's actually a question from another user that we'll get to here in a moment, uh, basically uh, wondering how you can avoid duplicates if in between builds, right? Um, so this other, uh, th this other um, person that emailed us said that, they're splitting up all of their different profit plan contests into individual builds and then running into an issue where they duplicate lineups, uh, I assume, uh, especially on things like single entry and three max kinds of builds, right, where your sim precision is going to be a little bit lower. So I think what I would recommend, uh, one, to just make it easier, and two, to make sure that you're actually truly getting a unique lineup into every entry is to just build everything together. I would just pick either a midpoint set of sliders. So if you're playing some single entry, three max, 20 max, and 150 max, maybe you build on the 20 max, 10 to 50K sliders. I think that's a good spot. Uh, or, you know, what I do, I often just pick the highest sliders possible because I would rather be 
over leveraged, a little bit over diversified, a little bit too volatile in my single entries than too chalky in my 150 maxes. That's my personal take. So um, I would I would build them all together. Um, and then how many lineups are recommended? I would say, so for, a, for like a classic baseball slate, there are, I mean, thousands, probably tens of thousands of different plus EV lineups that you could play, profitable lineups. So I wouldn't worry about how many lineups that you're playing. I think the bigger concern is the size of the pool at the moment right now. Um, you know, pool size is capped at 1,500 here. So at a certain point, like if you're playing 500 or more unique lineups, you're getting to the point where there's less than three lineups in your pool for every lineup you're playing. That would probably be my line, like around 500-ish. I would maybe think about starting to repeat some of those lineups. Uh, but I, there's definitely, I would definitely not say 300 lineups is getting into minus EV territory. There are, there are probably, I mean, thousands, uh, ten thousands, tens, tens of thousands of lineups that are plus EV for a classic baseball slate. Now, I think on a sport like MMA, when there's just less lineups overall that can be made, I think the argument is maybe a little bit better. Uh, for for the fact that like 300 to 500 lineups, maybe those lineups are not as profitable at that point. But um, there's less contest to play in those smaller sports like that anyway. And I still don't think you're really getting up into that range. The value that you're getting out of diversification there uh, is, is really probably outweighing anything else there. So I I this is a hard pill to swallow. It was a hard pill for me to swallow as well. Uh, but we really found that playing just getting as many unique lineups in play as possible, playing 300 lineups really helps a ton in avoiding uh, some of the really big swings of DFS. So um, would highly recommend, uh, I guess, to, to wrap up this one here, right? Uh, I would build your lineups together and I would I would recommend playing as, as many unique lineups as possible, basically up to like about 500 lineups and, pro and that is only because of the current limit on pool size. Um, if, if, and spoiler alert, when pool size gets a little bit bigger, um, I would, I think you can probably even play more unique lineups. So, um, okay, cool. I see some questions coming in in YouTube chat as well here. We will get to those in a moment. Thanks for, for, uh, being with me here today. Uh, I typically start the, the show out by answering questions that were asked in our Slack channel, in the office hours channel in Slack. If you're not a part of our Slack community, there is a link to join in the description of every past episode of office hours. So I definitely recommend joining up into Slack, get access to that office hours channel. Also just get access to the community in general here. Um, let's go ahead and keep it rolling here. We'll roll ahead to a question from Manny about percentiles. Uh, he said, not sure if heard this in one of the shows, but I think you mentioned it is not a good idea to mess with percentiles anymore after several updates to the app. Can you please explain why? Uh, and thanks for all the coaching. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I, I said something to that effect, but I probably misspoke a little bit because I didn't, I didn't want it to sound so much like that, I would say. Um, so any, what, what I intended or what I was really kind of saying there is that, so we have this percentiles thing, right? So in a build, right, this, this little dropdown will let you adjust the average, the adjust the projection here to a player's percentile, right? So an 85th percentile is the fantasy point that a player meets or exceeds in 15% of Sims or less, right? It is their, their like, it, another way of looking at it is 85% of the outcomes are either that fantasy point total or less, right? And this really used to be a way, I would say, of squeezing out a little bit of additional upside at the expense of average performance of your lineups, right? It's just a resorting tool. It doesn't rebuild any lineups, but it resorts your lineups with these new projections, right? And the way I used to always describe this is, 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 is 
again, exactly what I just said, squeezing out additional upside at the expense of average performance. The reason why I don't really think you need this anymore is because we're actually kind of just doing this behind the scenes in the form of a lineup percentile. Uh, assuming that you are sorting by Sabre score, I should be clear about that. So Sabre score basically takes into account correlation. It takes into, it basically grades the lineups by how well they meet the three sliders, right? How well, how well correlated is this lineup? How appropriately does it fade ownership? And then the sim precision one basically measures what is the upside of this lineup? And the way that sim precision is calculated here as the way it enters into Sabre score here is we look at a lineup we look at basically the lineup percentile as a whole and see how well that lineup does. What does that lineup score uh, relative to other lineups in the pool when it meets a certain percentile outcome as a lineup, right? And ultimately, that's what we're playing in DFS. We are playing lineups where your, your payout that you get or your expected value is, is on the lineup level, not on the individual player level. So I think it's a more just robust and holistic way of thinking about the upside, the raw scoring upside of a lineup. So to clarify, if you if you are using percentiles, if they are a part of your process, I don't think you need to stop or anything like that. I think we have improved the software to a point now where it is not as useful as it probably once was. Um, but it's not something that we wanted to remove from the app because we know people like to use them. I still think it can be interesting as, as a research tool right? You can look and see like a 95th percentile outcome and, and kind of check and see like, what are the actual fantasy points that these guys are scoring, right? If you are rostering Kopesh, for example, um, and you need, I think I, actually 85th is a little bit more appropriate for most GPPs, right? It, 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 it gives you, I don't like this kind of way of thinking about DFS, but it gives you a bit of a target score, right? Where, you know, if you are going to play this lineup and your goal is that this lineup cashes in a GPP or not cashes, but like has win equity in a GPP and it's going to score 200 points, right? You are essentially asking Kopesh to score 32 points, right? That's kind of like what's implied here. I think that's still a useful research tool there, uh, but that's probably the extent to which I would actually use it. So, but it is not, it is not a a negative impact on your lineup. So I want to be totally clear about that. It is not, it is not the way this question's written. I feel like I gave the impression that it's bad to use percentiles. I don't want to say that. I just think maybe it's less necessary than it once was. So, um, okay, cool. Um, from Rogue 3, after rewatching the latest Behind the Sims episode, is the verdict still to be decided on optimal slider settings for ownership and sim precision? I was playing around with some previous 10 plus slates uh, and was getting mixed results using the defaults versus the 654 top percent mentioned in the show. Yeah. So uh, for those that aren't aware, um, we are current um, series, our current. Uh, yeah, I guess series is a good way of looking at it, of Behind the Sims is about our uh, about re-backtesting and re-retesting these default slider values. Uh, so we have six episodes now here in this particular series where we've been walking through this. Um, so uh, to be completely, to be clear, any sliders that you hear kind of discussed um, and talked about on that show should 100% be thought of as work in progress. Our... The, the standard default sliders of like what what is the best what are the best sliders to use for your particular contest I would say are still what is defaulted to in the app uh, we are we are this project is very firmly in progress um, 
you, if you listen, or if you are listening along to the podcast and you hear something that we're talking about that you think is interesting, that you want to kind of test and experiment with, I've been doing the same, but it's, I want to be a hundred percent clear that that is like your mileage may vary buyer beware kind of thing that we, we will change the sliders in the app. Once we are very confident that they are an improvement on what we have in there until then it is work in progress. That is part of what, that is part of the goal of the behind the Sims podcast, right? Is basically saying like, here's, here's what these discussions look like internally at SaberSim as they happen. Uh, but this is not a finished product. We are not saying that any of the sliders that we are seeing in the data in these videos are better than what is in the app. So um, but I do think if you're following along and enjoying that show, uh, I, I, I would experiment. I would, I would play around because I've been doing a ton of that as well. Um, so, okay. Um, Craig asked a question. This has been a very popular question coming in here, uh, this year, uh, as we get close to football, he said previously, there was a mention of a profit plan for other sports. Any update on that for the upcoming NFL season? Yes. Yeah, so I will be getting that a video out. Um, essentially applying the concepts of this video to the NFL lobby. Um, it will, it will basically be that it will, I, I don't expect us to do a reanalysis or a re-simulation of the NFL lobby in time for the start of the season. Um, but I know it, it is helpful for people to see me, you know, apply the, the steps in the particular sport that you're entering contests for. So before week one, I'll record a video basically doing similar things I did in this one where I kind of say, Hey, okay. So for a, you know, $100 daily wager or a $200 daily wager, or, um, we'll probably, we'll probably go step-by-step. Step. We'll say like, if you have 20 bucks to play, play this $50, play this hundred dollars and so on. Um, using the, the football lobbies for week one for both DraftKings and FanDuel. So yeah, that is coming out. Um, I know there was some discussion in, in the DFS, um, profit plan video, actually I, not in the DFS profit plan video, but in one of these past behind the Sims videos about us eventually running new simulations for football. Um, I think that is still a to do for us that will take a little bit longer. So the video that I expect to put out is a, we'll be applying the concepts we learned from our last simulations that we ran for baseball season to the D, to the NFL lobby. I think a lot of that stuff will still hold true. Um, if you're, if you're waiting for the, the new simulations for football season, that will come probably a little bit later. So, um, okay. Uh, question from 73 PD here. Uh, is there any data if larger slates are more profitable than smaller slates? Not that I know of. I think there's a lot of personal preference here. Um, I think people prefer, you know, one slate to the other um, based on how you particularly play, maybe what edges that you kind of push a little bit more in your game. I, I don't think, I haven't seen any data saying that larger slates are more profitable than smaller slates or one way or the other. Um, I will say, I, I think you can kind of come up with like, anecdotal or intuitive arguments or qualitative arguments for why a larger slate might be easier than a smaller slate, right? Like I've even done it on this stream here before. I think, you know, when the larger the slate gets, the more information the average player has to deal with, right? So using a really good optimizer like SaberSim is going to help you a ton in parsing through all of that quickly. Uh, on the flip side though, um, on smaller slates, you'll often see that the default value for SIM precision gets a lot smaller or sorry, a lot higher, which means the average SIM bucket has fewer SIMs in it, which basically means average projections are less and less valuable and individual simulations are more and more valuable, which I think makes a tool like SaberSim even more valuable. So you kind of, I think, 
I find it easy to come up with qualitative arguments of why smaller slates or larger slates might be easier. Um, I guess the final answer here, I, I, I don't think there's any like verifiable difference in the edge between them. So, um, okay. Uh, question from eight game here. Um, he said, I've been trying to permanently remove pitchers from my pool before I start crunching lineups to increase the number of lineups in my pool with pitchers I want. I've tried to remove them in my pool. I've tried to reduce their projection to zero. I've tried sending exposures to the home screen. That being said, if I try to run 1,500 lineups in a build, they're still there. What do I do to curate my pitcher pool? Um, obviously, I can remove them post-build. Yeah, so, I mean, it should be easy here. Um, I'll show you how you would go about doing this, and then maybe there's a maybe there's a bug here going on, but... Um, you know, let's say that you're looking at this. So this is your pitcher pool, right? Um, and let's say that you want to maybe take some big stands tonight, right? And, you know, it's a pretty decent looking pitching slate. So maybe you say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fade Kopesh. I'm going to fade some of this cheaper chalk, right? Um, actually, let's do it this way. I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove all the pitchers from my pool. And then I'm going to just, so I can demonstrate that this works a little bit better. I'm going to remove all the pitchers from my pool. And I'm going to basically only put back Scherzer, Rodon, Clevenger and Luis Garcia, right? So maybe just like a, you have a curated pool of four guys and you want all of your lineups to be with those four. Um, if we go here, we'll just quickly build 500 lineups real quickly here. Um, I see this comment from Craig. Craig, we'll get to your question in a minute. I typically, I like to start with all the questions that come in Slack first. So we'll do all of the questions that came in and through Slack and through email first, and then we'll hop over to YouTube chat here. Um, so we'll, we'll get back to your question here in just a moment. Um, let's see here. Um, let this build for a second. But this is definitely, if you know what pitchers you want in your pool, uh, this is, this is the, um, this is the best way to do this You're, so so that we know ahead of time. You're exactly right where eliminating these players after your lineups have been built um, is, is one thing, right? But if you do it here, uh, you get you get a better pool of lineups for what you're trying to do. So we'll quickly here, um, let me just show you. So um, there you go. So you can see in our pool, we only have those four guys. And in fact, in our set of 20, um, you only have these three. So eight game, if that is not working for you and you are otherwise having some issue, I would use the report a problem link up here and send us a bug report so that we can get, what that will do is that will send us information about your session, your settings, all that kind of stuff of why that's not working. Uh, because it, it should, I mean, it, if you remove players from your pool, there should not be any way of getting those players into your lineups. So, okay, let's keep it going. Um, okay. I want to quickly hit a couple questions, uh, from, um, email here. These are from Sarosh via email. Um, first question, we kind of touched on this before, but I want to touch on it again here. When I follow the, the profit plan for 150 max and single entry or three entry, I tend to get duplicate lineups. What's the best way to avoid that? The best way is definitely to just group your lineups all together. So if you were playing 189 entries on a slate, 
from single entry, three max, 20 max, and 150 max. Come over here, 189. I would probably increase this to 1500 at that point and then just build everything together. You will never duplicate yourself within a given build. You can duplicate yourself across many builds, but you'll never duplicate yourself within a given build. And in terms of your sliders, I would just pick a midpoint slider level. I think 20 max, 10 to 50K is a really good level there. That's like in between kind of all the optimal sliders for those different contests. And that's definitely going to be your best way of doing that. You'll probably also find it it means you have a lot more time to do your process too. So, um, And then another question from Sarosh here. Uh, after a build in small slates of six games or less, I noticed that Sabre builds have many more 2-2, two, 3-3-2, two, three, three, two, uh, and 4-2-2, two, two, basically less correlated stacks, if you will. Uh, when I set those to zero to try to get 4-4 four, four, and five-player team stacks, it's changing your player and pitcher exposures, which of course makes sense based on salary, etc. My question is then, do I go back to rebuild and increase the correlation slider, which is already set at 7 or 8, or do I add a stacking rule? Or by rebuilding and messing around, am I taking the value of Saber Sim away simply because I don't like uncorrelated builds? Yeah, so you will see that. So like we can just look quickly here. 13 game slate, 20 max, 10 to 50K. Correlation is eight uh, and four game turbo slate. On a 20 max, 10 to 50K, correlation is five, right? And the reason for that is really twofold. Um, the first, and, and, you know, I should say that we are in the process of back testing all of this right now. So, uh, some of this kind of, um, there's room for this to change, but basically the way the, the argument that I've always made about why correlation goes up for larger slates is twofold, really one, the more teams playing, the greater the percent chance there is that one team has a high enough ceiling outcome that it justifies a five stack or even a four stack of that team, right? A team has to put up a lot of runs to make it make sense, especially in a large field GPP to have all those guys in them. And the more teams there are, the more likelihood that can happen. But two, as the player pool gets larger, it gets harder and harder for the field to just get close to the optimal scoring lineup, right? It's harder and harder for people to find, you know, it's, it's easier if there's only four baseball games on a slate to just kind of wander into a lineup of eight one-offs that all pay off uh, than it is on a 13 game slate right? Because there's just more players in the pool. So we can correlate the side as the slate gets larger, because we know our need to get to the actual true highest scoring optimal is a little bit lower. Uh, that said, um, it's perfectly fine, I think, to say, to understand that argument and still say, I still want to play more correlated lineups, right? In, in a, um, in a, in a contest like this or a slate like this, right? I think if you know that, you know, maybe you have already decided that you want lineups that have a five stack, no matter what, regardless of slate size, I think the most effective way to do that would be to just set a stacking rule like this. So in the rules tab, stacking at least five players from the same team. Um, I, I think that's probably the best thing. I think uh, increasing the correlation slider would probably work that would probably also be a fine solution. But since since it sounds like you kind of know what lineup constructions you want anyway, uh, I think a more direct route to getting the exact kinds of lineups that you're hoping for is to just do it with a stacking rule. So that's probably what I would do. Um, in terms of, are you taking the value of Sabersim away simply because you don't like uncorrelated builds? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I think really you are just narrowing in on a, on a particular lineup construction that you want to 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 spotlight right like if we just look at this here and just quickly build some lineups so we're going to build 500 lineups right here right and you know let's say hypothetically that 
I don't know, 10% of those, 50 of those lineups are 5-3 stacks. It's not as if there are just 10 or 50 5-3 stacks that you can build that are profitable for this slate, right? That's not that's not actually what's going on here. There's probably thousands of individual 5-3 stacks that you can build that are good lineups. So by saying, I want my full set of 20 or 150 to all be 5-3s, even on a four-game slate, is really just narrowing in on a very particular range of lineup constructions, right? And I'm sure those lineups are still good. Right. I think he, as a general rule of thumb, and I want to be careful about this, but this is a general rule of thumb. If there are lineups, if there are lineup, if there are types of lineups that are showing up in your pool in SaberSim, it's probably true that there are a lot more lineups of that type outside of your pool that aren't here that are that are usable or profitable. Right. Like, so here's a good example, right? So we have one of 500 lineups in our entire pool that's a four, just a blank four stack. Right? To me, Saberson is saying in that particular case, maybe this isn't a great lineup construction. But there are 15% of our lineups in our pool are 5-3 stacks. Right, So 5-3 is probably just a fine lineup construction to use for this particular contest. Even though that's not the only lineup type that you got here in your build. So anyway, I would use a stacking rule. And I, I see no problem with doing that. Cool. All right. A couple more questions here in Slack, and then we'll get over to um, YouTube chat here. Um, this one's from Jimmy. Does unique random fill entry take into account Saber scores are completely random? I want to ensure my best lineups are in my highest entry fee contest, not using unique rank to avoid too much exposure. Um, interesting. Unique random does not take into account Saber score. It, it will not, it will not fill. Let's jump back over to here. So it will not fill lineups outside of your lineup set. So if we were using this lineup set and we had, let's say, 150 lineups in the set, right? We will It will uniquely fill only from this 150. It will not go out into the larger pool, but it will not take into account Saber scores. It's a true random fill. Unique rank is literally, we created unique rank to allow you to leverage Saber score when you fill, right? So unique rank will. So, I mean, Jimmy, it sounds like unique rank is kind of what you want to do here. If you want your best lineups in the highest entry fee contests, what I would do is let me get an entry file in here. How many do I have? 158. What I would do is fill, uh, sort by buy-in, and unique rank it and fill like that. And that should do exactly what you want it to do. Right, that'll put this lineup in my highest dollar contest. And if you're not entirely happy with that exact order, you can like move it around, right? Like I might want the Chin Music lineup to be a little bit higher than the five tool lineup because the prize pool is bigger, stuff like that. But I, you said not using unique rank to avoid too much exposure. I mean, I, I think you kind of have to, you have to give something up either way, right? Like I get what you're saying. If you're, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times your exposure of your top ranked lineups will not necessarily be representative of your exposure across all of your lineups. I've talked about that before on stream. Um, you have to accept that if you want to put your best lineups into your highest dollar contest, or you can give that up, give up wanting to do that and get a more randomly distributed exposure across all of your lineups. But you kind of have to, one of those, you have to take one of those. So Um, Eagles, I see your question about DK showdown slates. That is a bigger topic. 
Um, there are a lot of questions in YouTube chat. So I'm going to hop over to YouTube chat first. And then if we have time at the end of the show, we'll come back to that one here. Um, let's get over to YouTube chat here first. Um, two people asked kind of a similar question here. First, Philip said, a person that builds hand builds 10 lineups, how can Saberson help? Uh, and then Skull said, hey, I noticed on your country and contest entry cheat sheet, you recommended a lot of medium field. Oh, whoops. Sorry, Skull, we'll get back to you. Sorry. Um, there was somebody else. Oh, no, it, it was the same. You were Okay, I saw your name twice. The other question was, should I even be using Saberson for single entry or three max? I don't know how it can be better than someone who is hand building lines. So good question. Uh, a question um, that comes in often as well. Um, and I think there is an assumption that optimizers and especially SaberSim are meant for large field for people building 150 or more. And that's really not the case. Now we, we very much recommend you play a lot of en unique entries to smooth out your variance, but you don't have to. I know there's people out there that like single entry and smaller field stuff or, or 10 lineups here. Um, and I think there's still a huge advantage to using SaberSim. And I think the big advantage is that you may be great at hand building lineups, right? You may, you may be very good at it already, but SaberSim will be able to do so in a way that is also very good, is very flexible, and is probably way faster than what you can do just by hand, right? If we wanted to build just 10 lineups for a random kind of set of single entry contests, maybe between, you know, 1,000 and 10,000 entrants here tonight, we can very quickly build this entire pool of 500 lineups. And you can all of a sudden very quickly see all of these different angles of how you might approach the slate, right? I've, I, I think everybody started hand building lineups at some point, right? We all find DFS first and you're building lineups on your phone or on your computer by hand, right? Before you even ever kind of think about, Hey, what is an optimizer? Everybody starts building by hand, right? I remember doing that and figuring out kind of how, different players and stacks and things like that all kind of fit together just by hand is is hard and if then all of a sudden news breaks or something changes then you kind of have to do it all over again i think the biggest the biggest value of using a tool like SaberSim to hand build your lineups is to immediately see 500 different lineups here or more or up to 1500 of all of these different ways that you could build this you could tackle the slate Right. And because SaberSim understands what it takes to win these contests, right? These aren't just cash lineups. These are actual GPP lineups. You get lineups that have the right lineup constructions. You get lineups that don't necessarily just eat all the chalk, right? Like in this case, we have chalky pitchers, chalky diamondback stack, but we get this low owned uh, White Sox stack along with it, right? And you get 500 of these. And right off the bat. What's really cool about this is you can go in here and kind of filter and see how things are coming together, right? Like, let's say you've done some research for this slate and maybe, you know, I don't know what your angle is, but, you know, maybe you're saying instead of playing the, what looks to be like um, a cheap Kopesh chalk, which always makes me a little bit nervous, maybe instead, and it looks like Kopesh and Scherzer are probably going to be a pretty popular combination tonight. So maybe you say, I want to play Rodon and Clevenger right? And do something a little bit unique that the field's not going to do, right? You can filter by those two guys and immediately see only lineups that have those two guys in it, right? Maybe you decide that you want to play those two pitchers no matter what, but you also want to play them alongside a, let's see, um, I don't know, a, I'm trying a Dodgers five stack, right? You think that the people are not, people aren't going to be really on Dodgers tonight. And you're looking at this, and you have one lineup in your pool and it's not a Dodgers five stack and you don't like that lineup, right? No problem at all. We can go back to the beginning. 
we can lock in Rodon and Clevenger, and we can set a rule saying we have to see a Dodgers five stack. Whoops. In every lineup. Uh, where are the Dodgers? Am I crazy? Oh, there they are. Okay. We have to have a Dodgers five stack in every lineup. And then we do it again. 500 new lineups with those rules in them now. Right? So uh, when this question comes up, this is always, you know, there's a lot of ways to talk about the value of Sabersim. We have a ton of content on our YouTube channel about why it's so valuable, but I'm kind of aware that, you know, some of that maybe is a little bit more targeted to people playing a lot of lineups tonight. But this to me is the greatest value of using a tool like this for even somebody just playing a few lineups a night is that you are going to be able to, you take your process that works for you, whatever that is, your research process, your building lineups. But instead of hand building one or maybe two lineups and then just kind of rolling with it, I mean, imagine getting to see 500 lineups in like 30 seconds that are all the angle that you have decided you already want to take on that slate and how much more valuable this is than trying to figure out how to get the remaining pieces to fit in correctly. It's a big difference. Even even better, if you want to go one step further, maybe you find a lineup that you kind of like but isn't all the way there, right? Let's see. Let's see if I can find one. Um, let's let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'll just maybe make one up if I can't find one quickly, like that I actually um, – I don't know. Maybe it's this lineup, right? Maybe we like all this lineup, but we don't like the, maybe we, we don't really want to play any Rockies in this lineup, right? You can come over here and edit that, the, the lineup and make a change um, and make that lineup look the way you want it to, right? Maybe in this case, we want to do something, I don't know. Let's see. See if I can quickly eyeball something here. Maybe we want to play a, uh, I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Maybe in Arizona, right? Maybe we play Arizona instead, something like that. I don't know. You get the point, right? You can edit. There we go. So we do that. Um, this lineup actually, it looks like isn't valid um, for some reason here. But anyway, you get the point. So um, that is to me the big value of using Sabersim, even if you're only playing a few lineups a night, is that it will much quicker build you hundreds of lineups that you can kind of look at here uh, and figure out what you want to play. And it'll also give you a little bit, it'll give you, I guess the last thing I want to mention here too, is it will give you some clues too about what is maybe an appropriate way to play the slate, right? Like I do think there is a bit of a clue here that maybe Rodon, Clevenger, and a Dodgers five stack isn't maybe the best way, or it's at least not in the top 500 lineups of how to approach this slate. So anyway, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. So let's jump back to this question. This one was from Skull as well. Um, uh, very similar to what we talked about before. I noticed on your contest entry cheat sheet, you recommended a lot of medium field contests. Is this also true for NFL? Or will you be redoing the video for NFL? I will be remaking a different version of this video for the NFL lobby. But uh, if you, I, I think in general, you kind of have to be willing to play some larger field contests if you're going to play uh, NFL DFS because they a lot of them just are larger field contests. So, 
Um, it will not be that the fields are not as small as they are in, in baseball. Now, the good news is, is there's a ton of dead money taking up a ton of equity in those contests or not equity. I don't even, that's not what they're taking up. They're basically paying to rake, right? Especially at the lower stakes. There are so many bad lineups that have just like are no shot at winning, um, that, that, that pay a lot of that back. So. Okay, Craig, uh, let's say there's a player from a team that you want in your lineups that may be on a team that you don't care to stack, but we do would like to use this certain player as a one-off in a 4-3 stack. Uh, how do you tell Saberson to make sure that player is used? Also, if you have a player from a team that may be from a team that you're stacking, make sure this player that will be used when that particular team is not used as a stack. Honestly, the answer right now is there is not really a good way to do that uh, unless you are going to spot check all of your lineups. So if you're playing, you know, 20 or so lineups, I think it gets a little bit easier. Uh, if you are playing a lot of lineups, it gets a lot harder. So like if you were just playing, you know, in this, let's go back to this build and say, we're just playing like three lineups, you know, obviously you can kind of spot check your lineups a little bit easier here and say, you know, okay, I don't want to use Jonathan Daza as a one-off. Um, and you could, um, you know, just eliminate this lineup or, um, you know, just, uh, I, like edit it or something else. We are right now in the process of building a new rules. I've been calling it a rule to dashboard that will allow you to do this kind of stuff and basically say, you know, for when this different list of, if, if this random list of all these different players is, is used, if any of these players in this list are used, you have to stack the team that they're on. Right. You could essentially, I know, I know that's a common thing. Like I don't want to play, uh, I don't know. I don't want to play uh, Mateo batting ninth for Baltimore unless I'm playing an Orioles stack, right? Now, keep in mind, one thing to remember here, I should be clear about this. Because Sabersim is using simulations to build lineups, right? We are taking buckets of sims and not just using the average projections. You're going to get a lot better lineups just out of the box, even ignoring this kind of thing. Because even if you are getting a one-off Mateo lineup, it means that at least in that given set of Sims, he is optimal. And it's not that he's just fitting in point per dollar average salary wise, right? There's, there's actual true upside there. Um, but we are in the process of building out a tool that we're hoping to have very early in the in football season um, that will allow you to do that in a, in a more rigorous way. So, um. So I know that's not the most satisfying answer right now. We we know that there's a little bit of a hole there in the software, and that's that's something that we're planning on on filling there. So, uh, Braden says, is there a way to upload contests on mobile? Yes, there is. Um, in our um, yeah. So on our support here, support.sabersim.com, our, our knowledge base. If you just type phone in, uh, you'll see a variety of, well, I don't know, not necessarily a variety. You'll see two different tutorials where I walk through how to do this, both on Draft, DraftKings and FanDuel on your phone. So the entry editor is totally mobile optimized. Um, it's uh, it's pretty easy, pretty simple to get your, your contests uh, uploaded on your phone, especially once you've done it. Um, I would... I would highly recommend when you're not under the time pressure of lock, give it a try, try it out, make sure that you're comfortable with the steps. And then once you do it one time, you'll, you'll be a master at it. So. I see Craig had added on the question refers to FanDuel. Yeah. I mean, I think it works both ways, it, whether you're talking about FanDuel or DraftKings. Um, the short answer is, is there's just not a very good way to right now in the app to say, 
only use this player when he's in a stack. There will be very soon. So eight games said, looks like I'm a little late to the party. Yeah, I did. I answered your question a little bit earlier in the show. I don't remember around what time it was at, but you should be able to find it. Uh, okay. I would say also we, we timestamp this later in the afternoon every single day. So um, you can wait to see the timestamps as well, but. Um, okay. Now we get to a question from Eagles here, uh, which is a little bit of a bigger question. Um, can you show your process for DK showdown slates for NFL? Yeah. So first of all, NFL is coming up here. Um, getting pretty close. We don't have Sims up for this year yet. That's something we're kind of working on. So we'll have to use a random slate here last year. Um, but that's okay. We can, how about week four? I don't think I've done anything with week four yet. Oh, I remember this game. It's kind of funny. I, I go back to all these games. I remember this one as well. Um, let's pick a different one though. Let's do, let's do Tampa Bay and New England. Um, okay. Uh, first of all, there will be before the start of NFL season, some specific showdown focused strategy videos coming out. Uh, probably a like how to beat NFL showdowns video uh, along with some other live streams with probably the Steinbergs and a couple other people from the Saberson team for, for the start of NFL season. But I'll give you kind of a quick walkthrough of how I think about NFL showdown and really all showdowns. Um, this is, it's, it's kind of similar across different sports. The application of it is a little bit different, but I kind of have the same general philosophy and my philosophy when using Saberson is first of all, that the goal of a showdown contest, right? A showdown DFS contest is to basically come up with a range of outcomes of how can a different game play out? How can one foot, what are all the different ways one football game can play out? And then what are the, uh, what are the DFS lineups associated with those outcomes, right? That is the part of the process that SaberSim excels at, right? Because we don't just come up with average projections, right? The, we have average projections, but they are descriptive of a full range of outcomes of all the players on the slate, right? Um, some of the old 2021 data is a little weird. It's, it's, it looks like those ranges of outcomes aren't loading here, but we have the full range. Let's, let's actually, you know what? It's so much better if I have them. Let's look at this game instead. Oh, come on. Help me out. If this one doesn't work, we will just we'll just roll with it. There we go. Okay. So some of the old data is just not loading correctly, but right, Mike Evans projection 16.21, right? That's not all we really have here. We have a full range of outcomes of how all of these different games can play out based on what happens in the individual sims, right? And when we build lineups on SaberSim, we are leveraging those outcomes and basically building single game simulation optimal lineups, right? That is what happens without you touching a thing. That part of the process going from the inputs, the average projections that, that whatever you're starting with to the optimal lineups would be very hard. That would take probably a ton of time to do correctly on a traditional optimizer. So I want to make that part like totally clear because I think sometimes it might give the impression a little bit that like, you don't have to do a lot. And the answer is that you you kind of don't have to do a lot. And the reason why is because the, the Sims are really taking care of a lot. They're taking care of the work of here are all of the different ranges of outcomes of what could happen in this game. And also here are what the DFS lineups are associated with them, right? So what do I like to do from then? What I have found is that 
the field in general, especially in showdown, overrates the average outcomes, the outcomes that are just slightly a little bit more likely to happen. And I specifically like to find ways to target the outcomes that I think the field is unlikely to play, right? So what I will do is I will study the game and I will look at things like the Vegas total and spread. So in this case, we have a, a pretty high total game. This was a 53 and a half total game, roughly, uh, with a seven and a half point spread, right? So a high, high expected high scoring game that is expected to, I don't want to necessarily say blow out, but definitely in Tampa Bay's favor. And I'll also look at the ownership projections and kind of see also what are popular players. So in this case, Jalen Hurts, popular captain, right? Tom Brady, popular captain. The, the quarterbacks are often popular captains for these teams, at least that have good quarterbacks. And then you'll often kind of see as well that maybe some of the best players on the favored team will also likely to be pretty chalky, right? So, and what I will do is I will take advantage of that information and try to find a way to play an angle that the field is going to undervalue, right? So what are the angles that the field is going to undervalue in a 53 and a half point total game with a seven and a half point spread, right? For me, the very first thing I'm going to look at is I think the field is going to undervalue the, the percent chance that it is a Eagles overweight lineup that ends up winning this contest, right? People, I think people are going to play too many Buccaneers just purely based on what their intuition and what average projections are going to lead them to do. So I'm going to eliminate lineups here that have Tampa Bay four stacks and Tampa Bay five stacks. And in fact, I might even go one step further and eliminate lineups that are just three stacks in general and just make sure I'm playing lineups that are overweight Eagles, right? What might, then might, what I might, what, what I might, what might I do after that? Well, I might take a shot on Xing out Jalen hurts as a captain, right? Even despite the, the Bucks favoritism that I think was probably likely in this particular slate, I think Hertz was probably still likely to be one of, if not the most popular captain. So maybe I'll take an angle where it's it's not a, a, a Hertz captain lineup, right? And maybe I'll go one step further and say that I have to play an Eagle, but it's not going to be Hertz. Or it's not going to, I have to play an Eagle at captain, but it's not going to be Hertz. Um, so let's go here. And I lost my cam again. Um, so anyway, we'll turn the camera off for now, but, um, let's keep going. Um, so let's remove some of these other Tampa Bay guys and let's play like that. Right. And these guys still have upside, right? Getting to Miles Sanders, getting to Devonta Smith, getting to Jalen Rager, right? Like these captains, I, I still feel pretty good about these guys. And we know that these lineups are good because they are resting on the strength of an individual simulation that, that defends this lineup, basically. This lineup isn't just a lineup that sprung into existence because the average projections and the salaries all fit together. This lineup is actually literally an optimal lineup for a given sim we have of this game, right? It simplifies a lot of the work of figuring out like, are these good angles that I can actually play with here? And what I will do is as I'm going through this, I will see how, how deep into my pool of 500 lineups am I getting, right? And if we look here, I've made all of these adjustments and we're at lineup like 320 of 500 here, right? We're still playing a great, a great portfolio of lineups. And you could keep going here. You could say, yeah, I don't want to play a kicker at captain and I wouldn't blame you. I typically don't like to play kickers at captain um, and narrow things down a little bit more from there. And we have this portfolio of lineups where each lineup in the pool is backed up on the strength of a game simulation. And I'm playing an angle in every single lineup that I think the field is unlikely to appreciate. 
And you may look at this and say, Jordan, what happens if the Bucks win? And the answer is I lose, right? That's that's fine. The goal of showdowns for me is to give yourself the best chance uh, to succeed when you are right, right? To play angles that are unlikely to be appropriately represented in the portfolio of lineups in your contests. And the cool thing about football is you can, you can get a lot of shots on goal over the course of a season. You have Sunday night football, you have Monday night football, and you have Thursday night football pretty much every week. And you could even play all the showdowns on Sunday if you want to. So you get an op- a lot of opportunities to do this. My goal with these is not to spread out. It is not to try to play safely. It is not to try to um, minimize my downside for a given showdown game. It is to look at the slate and I'll do this. I can, you, I mean, we could do this forever. We can literally just come in here and pick any game and look at the total, look at the spread, look at what the popular constructions are likely to be and get different, right? Um, so that is the way I think about showdown. And I will have a video coming out in the near future that, that talks about, I guess not in the near, near future before the start of football season, uh, that, that talks about those principles in more detail, but I would say those are kind of the fundamentals. So anyway, I can't, I don't know what's going on with this camera. I'm a little worried about it, guys. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. We were having some camera issues yesterday as well. Um, this time it says it overheated on me. Let's see. Let me try moving this around here. Not that we really need it here. We're, we're getting close to the end of the uh, the stream here for today anyway, but that's okay. So any other questions here for me on today's show? I got kind of excited answering that question. Not going to lie. I'm, I'm pretty excited for football season in general. Uh, coming up pretty quick here. So um, anyway. Cool. I don't see any other questions here coming in at the moment. Eight Game says, I hope it changes to 2,000 or 2,500 lineups that can be built. Uh, yeah, it will be 5,000. Um, it, it is a membership add-on. So um, that, will, that will probably end up coming out with other features as well. We've been kind of talking about it as like a pro plan, an advanced, advanced plan, if you will. Um, that will ship with that a number of other exciting features that we're pretty excited about, but uh, it, it will be 5,000 lineups actually. So pretty exciting stuff there. Cool. All right. I don't see any other questions here coming in. Thank you to everybody that that uh, tuned in and participated and asked questions here and, and even just watched along on today's stream. That was a fun one. We got to a lot of different questions here. We talked some baseball strategy, some football strategy, we talked a little bit about the profit plan, all kinds of different stuff here. So uh, enjoy the slate tonight if you are playing, d- diving into this 13-game baseball slate. I think it'll be a fun one. Uh, what's really nice, 13 games, uh, no weather, uh, which is nice. And it, there's, I think this, it's looking like a pretty interesting slate here to me. Um, there's, there's some interesting avenues on the pitching side. Uh, I think pitching is going to condense quite a bit, which I always like. I think there's some interesting leverage opportunities there. Uh, and we have a slate where Coors is on the slate, but there are also a lot of other hitting spots, right? Like we have, you know, six, three, six, four diamondbacks and Rockies at Coors. Uh, but the Astros five and a half runs, the Dodgers five, six, the White Sox five, two Yankees five, two blue Jays, like 
uh, there's some really nice, I I think this is going to be a really fun slate. I think there's a lot of angles to play this particular slate. So uh, if you're playing it, enjoy it. Uh, Otherwise have a good weekend. I will be right back here again next week for another episode of office hours here, two o'clock Eastern on Monday. Um, And in the meantime, uh, have a good weekend. Take care. Good luck and see ya.